Hi, and welcome to 52 and 52. I'm your host, Anthony. And I'm Josh, your other host. And uh, today we're going to be talking about sleeping with other people. Um, so this podcast, we uh, watch 52 movies a year, one a week, and we do a podcast about it. Uh, today I'm proud to say we have our producer, Rachel, sitting in with us to talk about sleeping with other people. Uh, we felt we wanted a female perspective in addition to Josh and I, so uh, thanks for being with us today, Rachel. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Um, so we're not really going to do a spoiler, non-spoiler section for this movie because it's kind of like a rom-com and the plot isn't really um, something I th- that I has think spoilers. We can, you think we can? Yeah. Not, we just want to talk about the very end at first. And then okay. We'll just do that. I think That's we can fine. Do it. We won't tell you if they get together or not. Otherwise, we're just going to talk about the movie. And uh, Josh is going to start us off and give you, you guys who haven't seen it a uh, basic plot. Yeah, so Sleeping with Other People uh, came out about a month ago just now, getting a wide release, so hopefully it'll be coming to theaters near y'all soon, so you can uh, listen to this podcast and uh, without any fear of any spoilers if you want to hear our thoughts on the end, too. But it stars Allison Brie and um, Jason Sudeikis, and the premise is basically pretty simple. It's just uh, that Allison Brie and Jason Sudeikis lost their virginity to each other while they were in college and then they just kind of don't talk for about 10 years and then they run into each other when they're both at points in their lives when they have trouble being faithful to significant others and because they have such messed up personal lives they decide just to be friends and kind of over the course of the movie you their friends kind of wonder why aren't you all getting together you guys seem so great together and it's just kind of about their relationship and where that heads and um, kind of all the complications that can um, possibly arise or just maybe the challenges of trying to have a platonic friendship when there's obviously a strong attraction there. And that's really just what the movie's about, but it's it's a comedy. It's definitely a comedy um, that uh, there are jokes throughout, and it's really of that genre for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a little raunchy, a little dirty comedy, sex jokes and all that. Um it's the same director that did About Last Night with Kevin Hart and Michael Ely. came out, I think, two years ago. Uh, Leslie Headland. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think, Josh? Did you like this movie? Well, that's, 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 a, um, that's a very open-ended question because I have very mixed feelings about it, and a lot of it has to do about with the end, and we're not going to talk about the end until the end of this. And I'll say that I... But I'll spoil the podcast, and I'll say that I didn't love it because of the end. Uh, I think that I kind of went throughout the whole movie uh, saying, wow, this is kind of the movie I thought Trainwreck should have been. One of the first things I wrote down when I kind of took some notes when I got back from this movie was, and I wrote in all caps with an exclamation point, no montages. And that was part of the that uh, that really kind of excited me because I really kind of bought why these characters actually would have had some kind of attraction to each other because we got kind of got to see them interact a lot in significant ways just through simple dialogue and conversations. And here they really take the time to have a lot of scenes where these characters are just talking to each other. And but throughout the whole movie, I, I'm I was laughing almost as consistently as I was with Trainwreck, and that's why I respect. That's what I really appreciated about it was I really kind of did feel that. It, chemistry between them because the movie took the time to develop it and that's why i liked it all the way up until the parts that we're not going to talk about quite yet and but rachel i know has a very different perspective on this and we want to hear that's why she's here to give us her thoughts well thank you um i agree with josh i thought it was funny i said it's one of the funnier movies i've seen about productive gender roles (laughs) um literally at one point a character says 
men and women can't be friends. And how many? I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of rom coms, but I imagine that's in roughly yeah all of them ninety percent. Yeah. So that there were just parts like that, like really irked me. Um, I did. I did think it was funny. I definitely. I liked. I was totally into it the first third, and then it kind of started to unravel for me. But I don't know if the reasons that I didn't like the end were the same reasons you didn't like the end. I have mixed feelings. Okay. No, you're um, up, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, I. I really don't know how I feel about this movie. I. I was very like, not disturbed watching it, but I was just kind of bothered by the character development a lot and just the way they did the female versus male stuff and and it seemed like they were trying to make a movie that was. Um, not cliche and just like sort of taking risks and all that, but and it it wasn't cliche and it wasn't corny, but it just like the character development just seemed uh, dated to me. And can you explain what you mean by that? Just like, like without, oh, I think you can like, do that without like, spoiling. Like you. Rachel said, oh, like men and women can't be friends, or um, this guy's a player and he has sex with a lot of women and he can't be faithful. And the girl, she's in love, but she likes someone and she's waiting for him to. Waiting, she's like controlled by a man and all that, and it just—I don't know—it bothered me. It kind of took me away from the movie, which was funny. Like you guys both said, there was a lot of good one-liners. Um, Sudeikis was funny outside of when he was annoying uh, as a character, not like his performance. But um, I'll say the funniest moment was trying to believe that he was a college student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, like like Electra said, she liked the first third of the movie. The first like ten minutes for me were really strange. Chidakis looked like a 35-year-old fucking college student. Um, after that, as soon as Josh said they meet up at um, 10 years later in their life, that's when the movie really picked back it's actually, up for me. I, I, I skipped the part where I said it's at a, a sex addiction meeting. Yeah, they're and at that's a actually sex pretty addiction. relevant um, for some of the character development stuff too. Yeah, and which is fine. You can have a man and a woman like, both be sex addicts and have a story about it. I just don't know if they... But their treatment of their sex addiction was very different and potentially problematic. Yeah, and it wasn't even like... I don't know, even like diagnosed, it was just like we're at a sex addiction meeting because we can't be faithful to our significant others or, I don't know, Jason Stegas had his own reasons for Well, that saying, was kind of why he was there. They, they treat it very differently. He, he says, my girlfriend sent me there and said she'd break up with me if I didn't go. And then they try and turn it into something much, much more deeper with Allison Bree's character where the first time where you see her kind of um, start freaking out because like, she, she clearly has like issues being alone. And I think that's what it's trying to get at when she, in a, in, a, in a great scene with Adam Brody where she breaks up with him, and that's even before, but like when, when they, they kind of break up because of her infidelity, you see her kind of having a panic attack at that point. And then she kind of texts the Adam Scott character who I really, that, that was one of my bigger issues with the movie was him. But she starts having a panic attack then every time she sees him essentially. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like that's my security blanket. I know I can just always go cheat on whoever with him. He'll be there. And whenever the threat of losing him happens, happens like she seizes up and it's like a very crippling thing for her whereas with jason sudeikis shows up it's just like yeah i like to sleep around no no biggie you know yeah yeah it was very strange how they did that i i just don't know why they had to make her her character like that and just like just like go off on this edge and be so addicted to him yeah well i going back to the sudeikis thing about how he just slept around and it was pretty much presented as normal i did appreciate at one point a character a uh, woman is asking, she's like, so uh, what made you this way? And she's kind of teasing, but she, you know, it's kind of like point out like this isn't maybe completely normal, which was some nod, I suppose. Um, but that was really it. it. It was presented like, 
a sex addiction and being crazy in love with someone, I, I don't think is quite the same thing, which is kind of what they were trying to, it made, to equalize them. I thought it made her, but I thought it made her seem a little more screwed up that like that Adam Scott character is so like weird and the way they drew him, like the fact that she would be, a, she could be controlled by someone that was just that unappealing really wasn't, didn't portray her character in like the most positive light in a way. Yeah, so just to give some background on Adam Scott's character, he plays... So the beginning of the movie, the uh, Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie meet in college, right? And she's looking for Adam Scott's character, who's also supposed to be in college at the time. And then, I guess, they... they, they the, my biggest problem He's with... He's even older than Jason Sudeikis. My, I'm glad we didn't have to see him in the college well, scene. Well, my biggest problem with his character development, actually, is that the, all they did was literally talk about him, and they didn't show like, his character at all. They didn't develop it. The only development he had was Sudeikis and Allison Brie talking about him. He showed up to give her him. something to react to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so it was just like, okay, this guy, he's boring, he's boring, his dick is boring, his face is boring, his personality's boring, and it's like, okay, that's fine, and then he's just in scenes, like, being boring, but just being boring to be there for Allison Brie. And I think that's kind of a waste of Adam Scott, that's who like, I say, yeah. who's really funny. And I mean, if anyone's watched Parks and Rec, you know he can be a great straight man. But this was like to the extreme. I don't think he had a joke in it. I thought he could have played like if you if you want to write the character that way. I think you need to get a different actor. And then if you really want to have Adam Scott, then I think you need to write the character differently. Like in Step Brothers, Adam Scott. Yeah, Adam Scott plays the right. You, you could have you could have taken in somebody. You could have had him be the douchebag like he's in Step Brothers. One of like we've seen we we've seen, we've both seen about sixty movies this year, and one that I think is probably in both of our bottom ten is Hop Tub Time Machine Two. But like I laughed so hard at him throughout that entire movie. He could have played the douche. He could have played the overly earnest, nervous kind of guy and just overly happy guy and played in Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Yeah. And you could have played it in so many different other ways that would have played to his strengths. That still would have made it a little confusing that the Alice and Brie person would have liked him, but it still would have been a little bit more a little bit more of a character that we could latch onto and appreciate the performance. Whereas here, you're putting someone who we know is capable of, of so much more into this weird role where he just shows up and is completely stoic, but yet for some reason we're supposed to buy that there was I guess yes in college he was the older guy and maybe she was attracted to him but like it's still just kind of weird to have us trying to keep throwing this crippling addiction she has to him in our face it just didn't I didn't totally I just didn't get it yeah I, I just I like you said the problem with the casting I just feel like because you recognize Adam Scott and you know what he can do and the point was that the character was boring then cast someone else honestly yeah I, I mean I don't know who hasn't been hung up on someone like completely terrible well, that's the thing that they don't—they don't even make him out to be completely like terrible, do they? Well, the whole thing is that he's boring, and he yeah, he's boring. Nothing. He's boring, but it's just like I just—I don't—I don't know. I just didn't buy like that she's actually having like physical breakdowns. Like she—he calls her, and her body shakes because she couldn't answer the phone. And it's yep. just like I don't understand why they needed to make her so crazy and so like like Rachel said, reductive to this like stereotype. And even going back to the uh, to the Seth Cohen thing, um, th- he's in the scene and he's like, she's trying to be like really. I don't serious. think everyone. He, I don't think all of our listeners yeah, have watched a, the OC. Adam Brody, Seth Cohen, the great Seth Cohen. Um, so they're at this scene and she's like trying to not. I don't think she's trying to work up with them. She's just trying to be honest with them. I think her and therapist told her. Yes, yeah, so she writes down her feelings and she's like, I tried to be faithful. I was faithful for six months, but I cheated on you. And and he just freaks out and he's like, you're a whore, and he walks out. And it's that like, got I, some like, laughs. I don't. I don't know why. I. I just. I just don't know why that's necessary. And like, it just seems dated. Like I said. Yeah, I agree. 
it was funny. He the the breakdown he was having was actually like very funny, and then he ended it with that, and it was just yeah, it, it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's just like some of the jokes, and like Trainwreck made you uncomfortable just because it was like, oh, that's kind of gross, or like it's not PC or something. But this was just like almost like mean, but it's not funny. And I, I don't know. I just didn't see the point to some of the jokes. I guess I, some of it just some of that I guess just didn't bother me as much. I was laughing so much. I just don't. I don't think I was picking up on some of the aspects of the jokes you didn't like. Like when when I know it might be problematic when you just like call a character a whore and then the movie is expecting you to agree with it. And I don't think I was necessarily laughing at him calling her that. I was more laughing at the fact that it got him to that point where he said that, given the way the character was introduced. And I think I, I, I just laughed the whole way through, and I, I guess I just wasn't picking up on some of this other stuff quite to the extent that you guys were, while I do agree that some of the characterization was lacking. Well, just to go back to that point, I think that we didn't even see her with anybody else at that point. That was like the beginning of the movie. And, and she's like trying to have this honest moment for her character, and it just boils down to you're a whore. And then this, they don't do the same thing with Sudeikis, who's seen just having sex with all these other girls throughout the movie, and they don't... Yeah. I don't Think they so that's why I said the movie was treating they equal- her as well, much more saying. of a sex addiction problem. Well, I don't than think he they equalized the the thing. Oh, when definitely, the, definitely. When the whole point of them was to be like, we both have this similar problem, and the premise is that we are going to get together and like be friends and not have sex and try to control one relationship with each other and have someone I can confide in and someone I can like that relates to me in my situation, and then they just make one character like so much worse than the other one paint in a different light yeah Sudeikis is introduced and sort of they both have after the first scene where they're you know these 30 somethings are college students um they come back to present day and they both have kind of catastrophic public falling outs with whoever they're dating at the time and I want to say Sudeikis is the first one and his is played much funnier and he comes off looking much better even though they let him get in all these points against the girl that he cheated on and it's like we're supposed to be laughing at him and agreeing and with it, him, and I it, laughed. It was funny. No, it was yeah. good writing, and then they show the... They could have the given opposite. her that kind of equivalent they, scene, they, or yeah, instead they, of treating it so much yeah, worse. They show the opposite, and it's just a girl breaking down because of a guy, and she like is controlled by him, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to point out about all this, too, is that we have a female director. And, and a writer. She was a writer. Yeah, yeah. She, she wrote the movie. She directed the movie, and I don't... I, I, Rachel and I both saw about last night. I don't think that there was really. I didn't have any problems with the gender roles in that movie, from what I can remember. Uh, I mean, Kevin Hart was in it. That was obviously a problem, but um, <laughs> besides uh, I like, that, I like that movie much better, honestly. Yeah, but yeah. And I wasn't looking at it as critically. No, for sure. But at the same time, like, if you're gonna make a movie like this, um, I just honestly, if if I hadn't known that it was a woman, I would have thought it was a man for sure. I was surprised <laughs> when you told me. All right, well, what, what do you guys think about the performances, though? I mean, even if you don't exactly go with the material they were given, I really didn't. I really thought everyone was very good in this, aside from Adam Scott, because I think he was really miscast. But I thought, like, even if we didn't love what they were giving Alison Brie to do, I felt like she acted her ass off with what she was given, and she's great and can do anything. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I, I like them both, both of their performances, and... I haven't seen. I mean, Sudeikis Saturday Night Live, and he's been in bit parts. And oh, he's, I mean, he's been the lead I mean, in a couple of the yeah, comedies. He's been, he was in uh, Where the Millers and uh, Horrible Bosses, which are both big comedies. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and he kind of plays the same guy, but he was put in such a different setting and and asked to handle a very different kind of material here. And even if we don't like how the different characters were treated back and forth with each other, I thought he did what he was 
given yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. No, he did it really well. I think Jason Montsukis was oh fucking... Oh, my God. He, he was, was hilarious. Best. He and his wife, yeah. um, Andrea, Andrea Savage. Savage, they were definitely the best yeah. part of the movie. Yeah, they had, like, the little thing in the credits, like, five minutes. They're just sitting there, two people talking while the credits are rolling, just making jokes, and it was... Who I like think each someone other. in the theater yelled out that was better than the movie. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, it, and not that it... I mean, half serious, it kind of was better than the movie, but it was just, like... Montezuka's character was great the whole movie he was like the best parts of Rafi without being too creepy and um, Andrea Savage was really funny and they had a really great rapport and they play I don't know I think we said that they played a married couple yeah they just played a married couple he's, he's and, business partners with uh, Jason Sudeikis' yeah. character Jake and um, uh, but then they kind of they they worked them into other scenes with Jake and Lainey, Alice and Bree's character. Uh, I wanted to point something out about that again, uh, sort of a criticism, which is by no means this movie's fault or this movie isn't solely responsible for that. But you know, I'm I'm really glad they used Jason Manzuka so much because he was wonderful. But you know, you notice how the lead guy got to have the best friend, not just the best friend, but he was a business partner and they did things, activities with him. And, and there's then, like three scenes of Natasha Leone. And that's yeah. It. Natasha Leone was, um, Alison Brie's best friend. And she's actually the one who said men and women can't be friends. Um, broke my heart. I love her. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like they never tried to spend any time with her. I mean, and I know that's pretty common. Like I said, not this movie's sole responsibility, but I, I don't know. It was noticeable to me. Yeah, me too. That's what, I mean, that was like the parts that I noticed the most, which kind of took me out of the movie. Um, I thought Amanda Peet was good for the most part. Some of her scenes were kind of poorly, I don't know, poorly written, but just like the same stuff, like kind of cliche at the same time. You knew he was going to get to go on a date with her at some point. Yeah, so she plays um, Montsukis and Jason Sudeikis' his boss, and Jason Sudeikis' first day tries to like ask her out on a date, and she's like, typical, I don't date my employees type thing. And then later on in the movie, he has, like, a, a falling out, I guess, with Alison Brie. And he's like, and then it's like, oh, okay, now I got to go back to, like, the one woman I can't get kind of thing. And it was good. I liked the, the I liked the scenes with them for the most part. I thought that it might have ended with them, like, not together, but just, like, th- their interactions were promising as, like, development for his character. And then they just threw it out the window. Yeah, they seem to develop that, yeah. like a serious relationship. There is a part with that I um, that really bothered me. Um, a particular one of the scenes where he asks her out and is actually successful at it. I actually wrote in my notes that um, his character would be the most romantic and popular guy in AP Lit because all of his strategies are just they would work <laughs> on like sixteen year olds. I don't understand what. They like, even make a joke about him creeping on the interns. Yeah, well, you know, he comes up to this, like, beautiful, successful, very smart businesswoman, and basically, it just, it's like a funny joke that essentially ends in her saying the line, what makes you think I'm worth $5 million? And that was just, that was, I don't know, that was completely insulting to me. What makes you think you're not? Like, what the fuck? And then she's taken off her... She's, she's, like, shocked by it. Like, this woman has never been complimented before in her life. No one has ever cared for this woman with exquisite bone structure and, you know, amazing business savvy. Don't forget, she's she's divorced, of course. And she's divorced, yes. She's She's married to her job. Yeah, exactly. She's a successful businesswoman. She has to be divorced. True. Classic. All right, before we get into the spoiler territory, though, uh, we've been highly critical, though, and I think you guys did enjoy some of it, too. What were some of the, aside from just those performances, were there any parts that, like, you found particularly entertaining that, like, some of the funny parts that you did mention? Like, what kind of, what kind of gave the movie some more points in your book? 
Um, I think you mentioned this kind of when you're talking about the actors. I thought that for the most part, like their flirtation and the dialogue for a good part of the movie was very natural and I believed it and they had good, I guess, chemistry is what you would say. But in general, like the dialogue seemed kind of natural between characters, even when they were just joking, when they're flirting out on the street. I was like, okay, I buy that. I could see why they would like each other. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like that's so the director like had interesting things to say um in in sequences but it wasn't like the whole movie was just not didn't follow like a linear path for her to get i think at the end what happened like for us to do we need a linear path does it need to be no i well not i guess i don't mean linear but just like um because i think when we we go to these kind of movies we're always hoping to get something a little different from yeah yeah i mean i don't mean traditional linear i mean like comprehensible all the way through and believable almost like uh, I, I did, think some of it was believable point. and some of it was just like, this is stupid and this didn't need to happen. Or, um, I mean, all right, so praise stuff. I think the birthday party stuff was really cool. I think it was a good a good scene. Um, Matsukis was great. They were just like doing Molly at a kid's birthday party and everyone seemed happy. Brie it was funny. Yeah, Brian Sudeikis, not the children. Um, <laughs> I thought the stuff at the soccer game was funny and they were like talking to the kids, like, I love his conditioner was a great line. Yeah, he says he says his kid did love his conditional as he's playing soccer, wanting him to score a goal. I mean, I thought it was funny. Okay, what's the common factor? Uh, dudes. <laughs> no, I meant Jason Manzikis, but uh, yes. that too. Yes, yes. He, he is a man. Um, yeah, well, you kind of said that you think the director had inter- interesting things to say. I don't really think that the things that well, were said were interesting. I thought the way they were presented well, the, were interesting. I could I could buy that they were real people. Yeah, I just mean like the commentary on these two people that have this problem and they choose to not sleep with each other and they try to be friends and, and like work their um, emotions out and like kind of try to grow as people. I think it's an interesting like story to tell. I mean, the way, not yeah. so much how we got there or... Yeah, guys, I want to be friends, but um, do you guys want to come lingerie shopping with me? Um, you know, yeah. we've, we've talked Mouse about trap. how... <laughs> Mousetrap. Very clear about, you know, they, they speak very clear, like they don't want, they just want to be friends because they meet, you know, outside, again, outside this sex addicts meeting and they're, they want to, they come approach, they approach it like, like naturally. That, that, that could have just as easily been a scene with Natasha Leanne. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't need him there other than to have him have to be like, oh, there's this beautiful woman I'm only friends with in lingerie. Like that was the only point of that scene of having Jason Sudeikis in that scene. That could have easily been something else where you're developing her rapport with her good friend and giving some more insight into the kind of how she is feeling about this relationship with him. That's still platonic at the purely platonic really at that point in the movie or what they're attempting to have it be. Yeah. What, um, the scene in question is after they've decided that they're going to be just good friends, they're going to be platonic they're you know if they have a safe word basically if they start to feel like sexual tension towards each other and so they're open and honest about that and I thought that was kind of cool like they're clearly comfortable enough with each other they want to be up front and then you, you see a scene like that where that again like Josh said you could have done it with a best friend and you, if you're so adamant about not wanting to like fuck each other sorry have sex with each other make um, love to each other <laughs> um then you know, Alice and Brie, at some, at some point, they're like, you know, he's like, well, how do you work out your problems? Or so how do you, you know, de-stress? And she comes out in like this wildly expensive, gorgeous lingerie set. It's like by, you know, spending a whole rent, rinse worth on this. I'm like, who? That, that yeah, would that like felt of, completely and, unnatural. And if you want to have that, you, you don't need to overdo that mousetrap joke. They use it a lot and it worked a lot. 
But the dirty DJ scene, I won't, uh, I won't go into any more detail on that because I don't think we can do it justice by talking about it. But this scene about something called the dirty DJ is an instance in which that mousetrap joke is used very effectively. And actually, I don't even know if they use it, but it, I, don't, I don't even know if they say the word, but it has the same – it serves the same purpose the scene does as a lot of the other scenes in which they have to use their safe word. And it worked really well there, and that kind of – and it was an example of a sexual tension that, like, I don't think you need that lingerie store scene because that other one was so good. You could have a lot of that time in your movie to something else. Yeah, and they had a lot of – yeah, exactly. They, they could have used that at any point, even not the overtly sexual scenes. You know, they could have – they were clearly into each other. That comes up. Mm-hmm. Um don't want to go into detail but that again has to do with his techniques would have been very popular maybe 16 year olds but i refuse to believe adult women would fall for that um completely erroneous mm-hmm. okay well do, do yeah. you want to do you want to head into the spoiler territory yeah, yeah. and you give us all the dirty details on what you think about that Rachel? <laughs> yeah let's let's t- let's do spoiler stuff we'll take a 10 second break and uh and we'll come back All right, so uh, we're going to do some spoilers now. Um, I think Josh wanted to start. Uh, he's got some problems with the end of the movie, so why don't we go ahead and start there, Josh? Well, okay, yeah. My my big thing was, like I said, some of the, um, the gender stuff, while I agree with what they were saying, didn't really bother me as much throughout the movie. I agree that we need more movies that take a more unique approach to that type of thing, but kind of in the moment, I was just... Uh, it, kind of I was kind of into the story and I was about all about these two people and kind of what brought them to that point I wasn't thinking about this other stuff which while I agree with Rachel and Anthony is problematic at that point I was totally invested in this story up until the end where they still haven't they they end up not obviously end up not getting together Rachel was saying she thought they were going to get together all along and Anthony and I were a little less sure of that and there's this scene where they're kind of in bed together just staring at each other and like it was very well shot and a lot of tension and then, then, then the montage comes. I mean, not not a bad montage. It was more just a way to pass time. And we are all of a sudden in the future, and he's kind of um, playing house with Amanda Pete and settling down. And she's off at med school at Michigan. And I kind of think, well, maybe this is movie's about to end, and we're just gonna. This is kind of where 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 it happened. And I really hadn't even looked at my watch the whole movie, so I didn't know how much time we had left. And we had a lot more time left than I thought we had left. <laughs> and it turns out that uh, in a very abrupt scene in a diner, when he punches Adam Scott, we kind of think, oh wow, he's definitely not over this. And at one point. Um, I was a little, at that point, I was a little kind of like, wow, they skipped all this time, and um, clearly Amanda Pete just kind of was totally cool with this platonic relationship he had. At the end of the, their, at the end of the date they had had earlier in the movie, she asked him about her, um, and so we thought we could infer that they had talked about it, and they had decided that, oh, I'm cool with this, I see where he's coming from, and they had moved past it. But then, so I was like, wow, they just kind of totally ignored everything after that conversation we had to infer, but then it turns out, there's there was must have been a lot left unsaid in that relationship because he clearly wasn't over Allison Brie, and I thought after he gets he's in the back of a police car after he punches him and he calls her on the phone. I'm hoping the movie's just gonna end right there with him in the black back of a police car. Like that would have been super dark, but I was like this seems a little more believable than them getting back together at this point because the fact that they end up together to me they took a very strong storyline in my in my mind and just kind of then did jump through a bunch of hoops at the end to allow them to end up together. And I thought they had done what I had hoped for and avoided a lot of the traditional rom-com tropes and told a unique story. And then I felt at that point they went the extra mile to like 
take 10 steps back. And that was my problem. If you wanted them to end up together, you could have showed some other substantive conversations after that scene in his bed and gotten there a different way than they did. Instead, I felt like wacky hijinks ensued, and that wasn't the movie up until that point. And that was really what conflicted me at the end because I probably would have put this movie above Trainwreck on the rankings I've been kind of keeping on the year, and that really kind of knocked it down, way down for me. Um, yeah, so going back to what you said about the about the scene and the tension and they're, and they're shot from above and they're both mm-hmm. laying down on the bed, I honestly thought the movie was going to end there. I would have been fine with that. And, and it would have been fine. I think it would have been a good... I like ambiguous a, endings like that. I think it would have been a good ending. I think it would have been true-ish to their characters. Um, and then going forward, so you said we do the skip-ahead thing and he has the date with Amanda Pete. And I think that if they're going to do what they did and the have date with him... date was before they did Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if they were going to do the thing where he shows up at the soccer game and like they were playing house and all that, then... He's, he took her kid to the soccer mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I think... They'd been together long enough, the kid was asking him for permission to, you know, go, go to his friend's him. house. Yeah, I think that they could have shown the conversation with him and Amanda Pete where she says, do you want to tell me about her? And he says, yes. I liked that a lot. That he didn't? That they didn't show it? No, I liked that. He that, said, that, yeah, was her, that, that was her reaction as opposed to just going crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was I think nice. that's mature and I think that's, a, I think that's more realistic than someone going crazy, honestly. Um, especially if like Amanda Peet's character is the one that's taking the risk at that point, or that's what we're supposed to assume. Like she's and she's not going to be like immature about it. And then I think it would have been a good thing to show that conversation because I think it would have given more justification to the um, brunch scene later on when he just all of a sudden like it's been months. Yeah, it's been months, and they give you the implication that there he's over her and that. Their relationship is is completely platonic, and he's like um, falling in love or in love with this girl. He's trying to take her to France for her birthday. Because yeah, because Sorry. that that scene at Woman. the soccer that scene at the soccer game makes like he's totally content. So mm-hmm. it just totally catches us off guard at that point. I mean, I get that you can't have two and a half hour rom coms. That's just not the genre. But if you'd shown something else that kind of indicated that maybe he's not cool with it, because he seemed totally down with everything at the soccer game. I think also. For me, if he had just punched him and then gotten back with Amanda Pete, I think I would have been okay with that too. Just I thought as like maybe a, that was where it was headed. Just as like a friend thing, like you fucked with my friend and I really like love this person as a friend and, and nothing happened to you. That's bullshit. I, I'm going to punch you in the face. I think that would have been, I think that would have been completely okay. And then I think if that, if it streamlined from there to him and Amanda Pete and then another scene with her in Michigan doing whatever she's doing, then I think I would have been okay with it. Yeah, and I think that because and because we're inferring that this mature conversation happened after she asked him about Allison Brie, I think she probably wouldn't quote that it had been like because she obviously was fine with whatever relationship he had had with uh, Lainey before then. If they had just uh, if if he had just explained to her, yeah, that guy treated her terribly for years, she probably would have been like, okay, fine. And instead, it kind of it kind of took three steps beyond that. Well, if they had a conversation then I, I would assume Amanda Pete would have known that she had this dude that she was hung up on for like 12 years. Because um, when um, Jason Sudeikis is beating the shit out of Adam Scott, he's something like, this is this for like my girl yeah. or something. Yeah, he's just my that's girl. That's the term. Yeah. That's and, the uh, thing that pushes her over the edge. Yeah, and Amanda Pete like, gets in the car and is like, who's my, who's my girl? Who's your girl? Yeah. Uh, you guys know. You, you yeah. discussed this. Yeah. In a cutaway yeah. scene. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I just felt like this movie had about four spots where it could have ended, and then it just yep. kept going. And, and getting worse and worse and worse and worse. The return of the king of romantic comedies. If, if this movie ends maybe two scenes afterward with any kind of other ending after that scene in the bed, I think it's like a better version of Drinking Buddies. Where in Drinking Buddies, like, because I think you're, one of your bigger problems with that is like nothing happened before then in that movie. This had a lot happen before then, but like it had a very similar climax, if you were, or lack thereof. It had a very similar <laughs> feel of a movie to me. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, but like, except this was like funnier, and I think we got more out of it up until that point. So if you find a, a clever way to end it that let, makes you think, which is what would have happened if they had just cut the black there or a couple scenes later, that would have been great. But it has to use all of these additional scenes police station scene fight police car scene to get us to getting them back together and walking down new york in a putting on a wedding dress in the middle of walking scene that you was so stupid that was the like and we talked about despite these other problems that you guys had with the movie early on you still thought they had some pretty clever dialogue it's like write three more scenes like some of the ones you had earlier in the movie and find a way to bring these people to a satisfying resolution instead you have to result to something that is very wacky yeah, he could have just punched Adam Scott in the face and gone black, and I would have been happy with it. Yeah, unlike Josh, I love montages. I would have taken some of those. <laughs> could have done those. It's lazy. Cool you can be, be a better writer. What else do you want to say about that, Anne Rachel? Um, I do have to say here's a plus, which is a begrudging. Um, the whole the whole movie, uh, Lainey, who's Alison Brie, she's kind of struggling with. She doesn't feel. I, I got the insertion. She doesn't feel like she is as successful as other people that she knows, like career-wise, she's a kindergarten teacher. And she went to Columbia, and it's 10 years outside of graduating from Columbia. Yeah, yeah, and she's asking, you know, other people are like, oh, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I, like, own this business, whatever. But I kind of think, like, she was introduced as a kindergarten teacher kind of to, her entire role is focused on, like, her innocence or how she's kind of stunted, um, which I I felt was sort of irritating. The movie really... tells instead of shows us I guess mm-hmm. that she's not happy with it because she seems to do the great job with the kids she seems to like it but then I guess that her goal is to go to med school and she finds out towards the end of the movie that she she probably lasts two-thirds of the movie that she's gotten into University of Michigan and that's like a big move for her character when this job that she seemed to be happy with before but whatever and when Jason Sudeikis calls her he says you know you need to come back and I was like, oh my God, if they fucking make this girl like drop out of med school. I was, really, like, I was praying she would say no because of that. Yeah. And then it, it turns out there's like one throwaway line in the last scene and like, okay, well, we're going to go to the courthouse and then we're going to have to catch our flight tomorrow to back to Michigan. It's like, well, thank God they did that at least. Yeah. I and mean, that was, that was messy too. Just like, the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I was surprised Josh didn't bring it up, but this dude is just all of a sudden is just sitting in this police station, like taking fucking police hostages so he can say I love you on the phone ten more times. It well, was... when I said wacky, I kind of yeah, I didn't I didn't yeah. quite get into that, but like I said, that 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 seemed like it was out of a different type of movie. Yeah, yeah, it was unnecessary, but like you guys said, I was like, oh, I was gonna be so angry if they just like, all right, yeah, you're right, I don't need to go to med school. Mm-hmm. I'll come back and be with you. Like, what gives him the fucking right to do that? Um, she also has a line kind of going on with her innocence. Like, he basically teaches her how to masturbate, which, okay, whatever. This 35-year-old woman doesn't. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, she's never loved anyone, really, besides Adam Scott's character. You know, she's just very kind of seems stunted, basically. She doesn't and orgasm with anyone besides Adam Scott's character. Besides Matthew. Besides Matthew, yes, you're right. Um, <laughs> anyway, and kind of going along with that on their goodbye scene and you think that might be the last time they see each other he's helping her move out and she says like thanks and he's like for what and she's like for teaching me how to love 
what? Yeah. I can't believe they had it written out. Like, they could have maybe implied that, or you kind of got that from their relationship. Like, that's something neither of them had ever had. And she literally just like, thank you for teaching me how to love. Okay. Yeah, it's just strange that some of the writing could be from the same person in this movie. Yeah, I thought they did the jokes well and the emotional stuff. Well, some of the emotional stuff was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm very mixed. I gotta admit, I did walk out whenever they had the scene that you guys were talking about that was really important about them in the bed. Uh, I was yeah. like, yeah, right, right. No, 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 no. You no. walked out during the one where they talked, they kind of had she to She said, it. what people, uh, we act like we're dating, but we're not dating. Do you want to talk about it? And then that's when you Oh, they started to get emotional. I was like, we're talking is, about the one where they're, bathroom break. we're talking about the one where they're both, she said, are we in love with each other? And he just nodded. That was the entire movie. Yeah. I don't know, guys. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean that that was a key scene too because I was, I was more in the middle where they were having to kind of confront it, and but at that point we already knew she was going to Michigan too, so they were like, oh yeah, well this might not be like the most common thing, but whatever, like we're not gonna get together. But then she ends up dating this total zero too. Yeah, it was so strange. And that 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 kind of bothered me too. That was the one thing I didn't mention. I meant to bring that up in the first section. We we're talking about performances. Uh, maybe it helps because Amanda Peet's just a great actress. He should but... have been Matthew. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that because that, that guy is totally boring. Yes, 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 yes. So she ends up um, at around the time that um, that Jake starts dating Amanda Peet's character, Allison Brie at that birthday party uh, gets asked out by one of the children's dads. and Jeremy Renner's hunkier brother. That, That's not really a compliment. Yeah, but this guy is just, this guy is, you, you put it really well, and I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, if you have an actor that ilk just playing the boring guy, like, I I, I, I kind of buy that, and said this guy's supposed to be, like, someone that's a good, theoretically could be a good match for, he never does anything wrong, he's just, but he, he and he's given a kind of a little more livelier dialogue than Adam Scott's given, but he does absolutely nothing with it, you, you either need to have a better character, you need to have a better actor play that part, and that kind of, that was kind of annoying because, like, at the same time, they, there were pretty good dialogue. There was pretty good dialogue between Amanda Peet and Jason Sudeikis, and those scenes were a little bit more enjoyable. Whereas you're just having her with this guy. It's like, why? You're about to go to Michigan. Why are you like trying? Why are you even wasting your time on this guy? And that's yeah. again having you know Sudeikis dates this like very interesting, mm-hmm. intelligent Give woman, and Allison yeah. Breeze again. You know, she's stuck with these losers basically. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, podcast is going to be posted again on SoundCloud. Um, I'll be posted on my movie blog, aclamwatchesmovies.blogspot.com. And we'll um, hopefully be on iTunes in the next few days. Yeah, yeah, hopefully we'll be on iTunes soon. We're just waiting on a logo to come through. Um, if you want to talk to us, you can comment on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at aclambake, A-K-L-A-M-B-A-K-E. At Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. All right, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.